Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crime Cast, a weekly briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance from across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spoda Kindle, SVP of Product and Programming with ACFCS, and to kick off this episode, I'd like to know something. Were you prepared for the black swan of sanctions on Russia that have unfolded over the past eight weeks? For most of us, I'm guessing the answer is no. And in the event that your answer is yes, you were well prepared, well, frankly, I'm jealous. The scale and scope of sanctions changes in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine has been unprecedented and for many institutions, deeply challenging, leading to overworked staff and potentially untenable alert volumes. And that brings me to the topic of today's conversation. Do AI and machine learning offer a solution, or at least a partial solution, to this new reality of sanctions compliance? To talk about that, I'm pleased to welcome Daniel Hazel, WorkFusion's Global Head of Client Lifecycle Management, to the program as we grapple with this challenge and try to find some answers in the new world of emerging technologies. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being here on the Financial Crime Cast. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. Um, Extremely timely topic. I think uh, we have a host of listeners out there struggling with the increasing volume of sanctions. Um, We have some listeners who may, for the first time, be really contemplating how to implement a sanctions program effectively. So perfect timing um, and great to to speak with you on this. So thanks for being here. Brian, not a problem. Thank you very much for for giving me this opportunity to speak about it. Um, I think that for all the wrong reasons, right, sanctions is the most topical thing in the world right now. But regardless of the reason why it's why it's there and why it's in the news, there are lots of consequences, right? And the and what those consequences are sometimes it can just be a second order change or a third order change. It really impacts the lives of day-to-day people. So any anything that I can do to shed the light and help people understand how to better counteract those sanctions right now and in the future, I'm, I'm glad to. Excellent. Well, thanks for that, Daniel. If you don't mind just kicking off by giving us a little bit of a perspective on, on who you are um, and your role at WorkFusion. Sure. So... My name, as you said, it's Daniel Hazel. I am the global head of Client Lifecycle Management at WorkFusion. So WorkFusion itself um, is the leading provider of intelligent automation solutions for you know, Fortune 500 enterprises, those big financial institutions, banks, insurance, and other financial services companies. And where I sit in WorkFusion is I, I have a really great job. I, I get to map um our customers addressable problems to our work our work fusion intelligent automated in, intelligently automated digital workers right so the, our customers digital problems our, our customers addressable problems excuse me i map them to our to our solutions and the reason being that a lot of the time our customers our prospective customers they need to they need to deliver a business benefit and the how and the why of how that gets done they they're not uh, they're not in a position to actually work it out themselves so i i get to come in there and be that consultative approach to help them see the wood from the trees and really okay 
there's this approach that will yield you this benefit and this outcome and there's this approach that will yield you this benefit and this outcome and really partner with them to, to deliver benefit yeah well you're, you're totally right uh uh, number one, it sounds like a, a lot of fun, but uh, also the issue. I imagine you're busy right now because there's a there's a lot of problems to solve in the sanction space. So, um, so let, let's get right into it. You know, if you read the title on this this webinar, you probably saw that it was a it was a line, it was it was a big one. Um, we're talking about scaling sanctions programs effortlessly, or maybe as effortlessly as possible, uh, without growing your compliance spend. So. Uh, I, I like this topic for a number of reasons. You know, I know that there are folks out there who have very robust and complex uh, sanctions compliance programs in, in place already. There are those that frankly don't. Um, they may have a sanctions compliance program, but mm -hmm. it's not quite to the level of um, robustness that it needs to be to respond to current events. Or there may be people listening who really have to adopt a, a sanctions compliance program or augment a sanctions compliance program in a way that they never have before. So, um, so let's start with let's start with that. If you know, for those of you out there um, that are you know scrambling to get your science, sanctions compliance program up to speed, um, can you give us a little bit of an explanation of the effort and work that comes to implementing a new program? Um, or, you know, uh, kind of extension to that, at least implementing a new element of the program, right? Maybe you're not starting from scratch, but, um, you know, especially right now, we have to move quickly. So what goes into that? Of course, yeah. And I think what one thing you said there, it's, it's really, really important, right? Um, no matter the size of the bank, the size of financial institution, big, small, or anywhere in between, these new sanctions programs they affect each of them and the the thing is the big banks although that they'll get affected greatly because they have so many more customers they'll also have a greater presence to be able to implement these new programs whereas excuse me the smaller to mid-sized banks they'll still get the same regulatory scrutiny they'll still have to implement a b and c but their teams will be a lot more stretched right so you know, sanctions and implementing a new program, you have to, to understand the effect it can have. You kind of have to understand the nuts and bolts about what it what it is, right? So, you know, wind back six, seven weeks ago, you have a bank, you have a financial institution, and you they'll have a compliance team, an AML team, a sanctions team. And they will do two things. They'll screen their existing counterparties against watch lists or they'll do three things actually they'll screen their existing counterparties against watch lists so a watch list containing all those bad actors all those guys that you really don't don't want to do business with and they're sanctioned for a particular reason whether it be by OFAC or whether it be by the EU or any of those regulatory bodies throughout the world They'll screen their new counterparties, so new people they're looking to do business with to assess that risk. They'll screen them against watch lists. And then if they're a payment provider, they'll, they'll screen all ongoing um, transactions against watch lists to understand if there's any risk to, to terrorist financing. And six, seven, eight weeks ago, all of these teams, by and large, were under pressure, right? Because the sanctions, they're growing year on year as regulatory bodies want to you know eradicate all 
all instances of money laundering, eradicate all instances of terrorist financing. And the thing is, sanctions programs grow, but compliance teams don't grow at the same pace, right? So what a team was doing last year, they're doing 1.2, 1.3, 1.4 times the work this year. And that's before any um, black swan events. Then eight weeks ago, everything happens over in Eastern Europe, Russia, Ukraine, and sanctions go to a volume that just haven't been seen in such a short space of time. So what needs to be implemented is there are new programs, so new counterparties get added to a sanctions watch list, they get added to an OFAC list, they get added to the EU list, they get added to the Australian list, they get added to all these different regulatory bodies throughout the world. And very quickly, every compliance team, every sanctions team throughout the world has to implement controls to ensure that all of their existing counterparties aren't popping up on these sanctions lists. All of their new counterparties aren't popping up on these sanctions lists. All of the counterparties that they're doing business with and facilitating payments between aren't popping up on these sanctions list. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of manual work because you have to implement, you know, technologies, you have to implement processes within the bank to map to those. It might be updating, you know, an internal screening provider or might, if it's a, if you've built it in-house yourself, you have to do a lot of coding to ensure that it's all mapped, right? And that's only, that's only at the highest level. At, at the next level, then there's going to be instances where counterparties get flagged and sometimes they get flagged for the right reasons and sometimes they get flagged for the wrong reasons but your compliance teams are going to have to then become knowledgeable really really quickly with what those new sanctions programs are so you know they're already doing 150 percent of the work of last year they have new programs implemented they have to assist their superiors with implementing these new programs then but then they also have to learn the new programs themselves so they need to they need to learn okay there's a there's a a company over in Russia, they're doing business with 50% of our book. I know this, or, you know, maybe they're not on the sanctions list and it's just somebody with a similar sounding name. We don't need to block that customer account. So these teams throughout the world, they have to learn all of these things on the fly quite quickly in time. That's just not there because their, their days were already unfortunately taken up with their existing sanctions programs and their existing backlog of alerts and now you know they have to do all this new stuff and they have to learn all these new programs and they have to learn they have to deal with all these new volumes of alerts and it's just you know you you'll have seen it in in the news recently brian there's a new sanctions program at the moment weekly right they so a team is they're getting up to speed just as about managing it and i'm sure like humans are remarkable right but you can only do so much there's only so many hours in the day everybody has to sleep and there's only so many items that a human brain can can comprehend at one time and then a new sanctions program gets gets updated and it starts again uh so it's yeah it's it's cumbersome and it's really it's really tough on existing teams and you know it's it's not going to get any easier anytime soon while all this is going on yeah, it's absolutely true. And then, you know, on top of the financial sanctions, which, you know, are the main focus of this conversation, as well as I think the main focus of uh, authorities all around the world, there's a whole range of other sanctions uh, in, implications from, you know, the recent Russia-Ukraine crisis. There's a lot of export controls um, mm-hmm. that have been added um, or augmented by sanctions programs. 
Um, there's a lot of, you know, non-proliferation concerns. Um, you know, the trade finance and maritime industry have been hugely impacted by the latest, uh, you know, rounds of sanctions. So, you know, even beyond just the kind of screening alerts and that type of thing, there's uh, all sorts of business lines that uh, are, are currently, you know, struggling with this. And I think you're absolutely right that uh, I know the sanctions compliance officers out there probably in the audience, as well as the ones we, we've spoken with, have, have, haven't been sleeping too much lately. Um, and, you know, to your point about the rate of change, we've been doing these, these webinars, these conversations around it. And, um, you know, they have, a, they have a shelf life of about 10 minutes because there's, there's a new round of sanctions implemented, you know, almost on a daily basis. I think as we're speaking today, you know, there's, there's likely to be um, some kind of new issuance in the next 48 hours. So um, uh, it is, it is just an incredible pace of change. So, so let's talk about what we can do to, to address that. Um, if we were already at 150% and now we're at, let's say 350% of uh, human effort, what are, what are some, uh, what are some solutions? What do you think can help alleviate you know, the, the, uh, the requirement really um, to, to step up and to scale to this incredible challenge we're facing. I think even before we start talking about solutions and what solutions I think can help, it's probably, you know, there, there, are, there are second order effects of what's going on outside of increased sanctions, uh, outside of an increased volume of alerts, right? And these are things that no, I would say, regulatory body considers. Because again, everybody, all the regulatory bodies throughout the world, they were doing their best to combat the, the, conflict, the conflict in Ukraine, right? And try to de-escalate everything that's going on. And they're absolutely doing the right thing. Yet, there are just effects that are compounding, unfortunately, uh, they're compounding the existing issues and the existing cracks within the workforce, right? So again, I, I, I think it's always useful to look at eight weeks ago versus now. Like, for instance, WorkFusion did a study recently with, uh, with ESG, uh, the Enterprise Strategy Group, where we actually looked at the effect on the workforce recently. And since the end of COVID or since the start of COVID, like employee stress, and team stress went up 49%. You know, the increased workload on employees went up 42%. The decrease in customer service times and the customer service response times was 25%. And this was all pre, um, you know, this was all pre-sanctions, right? And I don't, I don't know what the effects are, but I have anecdotal evidence from, you know, like last week I was in the States for a couple of days and then I was in the UK for a couple of days. And it was very much the getting out to our customers and speaking to, you know, head of compliance, head of sanctions, chief compliance officers, one-to-one. We went out for dinner with a couple of them and they were all telling me the same thing. And this, it's very much a global issue that to cope. Uh, and, you know, some of these guys are fintechs, right? Where they all promote like great um, work-life balance and fantastic. Like I, they're really admirable places to work. But the crux of the matter is that they have teams working weekends. They have teams working double shifts. And, you know, those, those statistics I quoted earlier, 46% increase in stress. I, don't, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't count for you that the increase in stress that's coming out. And 
what are or what the solutions I think are really out there to to help with sanctions right now and to help with any like black swan event like this again in the future where something comes from left field right when because it, it you you can't scale or at least it's very difficult to scale compliance teams quickly or in fact it's very difficult to scale any team quickly in a matter of a week right to deal with you know a 300 percent increase in volume and for me um the only real way to do it is to have some sort of machine learning artificial intelligence intelligent automation solution embedded within the bank embedded within your compliance teams embedded within your your sanctions teams so that they actually view the embedded intelligent automation as a team member right and you know workfusion actually have a, we we have what the, the the concept of what's called a digital worker where it's exactly that right you have you have this digital worker's personification of a, a of automation that is there to deal with those types of volume and for me you know you you look at you look at an event like this and you know i i spoke to there was one customer was back in uh, i think it was the first week in march and they did their you know it, to a certain extent what happened with russia and ukraine there have been murmurings about it since november you know there have been it hasn't it was like it wasn't a complete lightning bolt but they said um that in all of their worst case scenario planning they never envisaged and you know this is a re, like this is a 20 20 billion dollar plus company uh, they never envisaged the sanctions response and a, a global coordinated sanctions response like there was so you know to deal with an event like that you need to have you need to or at least for me i believe banks banks need to have a um an automated automation software solution that can scale really really quickly yeah a number a number of great points there i think you know to your point about employee stress it's there's a variety of, of, of really important things to pay attention to there. It's, it's not just, um, you know, kind of a work like balance issue. It's also a, a practical functioning of your compliance program. People who are stressed out and overworked are not going to be effective in, you know, identifying alerts, um, and doing their jobs well, frankly. So, you know, obviously we need to look out for people because they are people and we care about our teams, but we also need to look out for people because we want a, uh, you know, effective program at a, at a time when it's, it's critically important. Um, so, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great point and one that, you know, frankly, I didn't really consider enough in, in thinking about this conversation. Um, but I, I like, think, sorry, Brad, just, just please yeah, proceed. I, mean, I think, you know, you have to be cognizant here again of all of those organizations who, you know, let's say you're a growing finance institution or you're a bank that's growing where you don't have a, a workforce of 20,000 people. You don't have a workforce of 15,000 people. And, but, you know, let's say you have a, a, a compliance and sanctions team of 15 people, of 20 people. It is much more difficult to, to scale really, really quickly. And by the same token, when these type of events happen, 
you will be competing against the big boys and the guys who have a big budget to, you know, to try and hire people quickly. And it's, it's really, it's really, it's, I just think it's, it's critically important to, um, to learn from this event and to understand that it's likely, you know, the word, the, the regulatory landscape has changed. What is now possible, um, what is now possible going forward is that for any event where um, where somebody really steps out of line on a global context, it won't be, uh, the, the weaponization won't be missiles, it won't be anything like that, but it'll be financial sanctions. And the, the missiles as such will be the compliance teams. And it will be those guys implementing their sanctions programs, or it'll be the, the automation solutions implementing them, or at least assisting the teams to implement them. That will be those deterrents to, to any of those guys throughout the world who, who really want to, to step out of line. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the speed at which the the United States and Europe as well responded to, uh, you know, to your point, this is this has been developing for a while. But it was clear that, and it remains clear as, as these new sanctions are, are rolled out, that this was something that OFAC and you know other agencies have been preparing for a long time. They, they didn't just scramble to respond to, to Russia. So they've been able to scale quickly you know, on the sanction side in part because they already had this ready to go. Um, so it speaks to your point about you know, the, the new reality of the sanctions landscape, right? This is going to be a tool of foreign policy and a tool of, of economic warcraft, frankly, for you know, the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, on the, the the scaling side, I want to revisit the point you made about um, digital workers, because I know this is something that is a nice visual, right, and that type of thing. But I, th- I also think it's a it's important to um, provide a good context for how to implement AI and machine learning, right? Um, sure. Because a lot of times we talk about these solutions and they seem, I guess you could say, disconnected from the human side of the operation, um, but, you know, all, all of what we're talking about is really connected back to the human beings that work for the institution, right? So I like to think of it as, you know, and I'm interested to, to hear your take on this. I like to think of, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, these automated processes as, you know, tools to enhance human capabilities um, rather than kind of supplant or replace. So, yeah, is that the same way when you talk about digital workers that you're kind of thinking of it, you know, and, and, and what's your take on that? Absolutely. So, again, WorkFusion have the concept of, of a digital worker, right? And for us and for the bank, for the, hopefully for the market out there, a digital worker, it represents the personification of an intelligent automation process solution. So, with the goal of reducing manual work, enhancing quality, increasing throughput speed, and expanding capacity for the existing teams, right? So it's very much a, a complementary tool of the existing workforce. So the, the goal being that one of our digital workers can just, you know, the same way that you hire, our banks go out and hire people, they go out and hire, you know, fantastic people in the market, they can hire one of our higher, highly skilled, you know, ready to work digital workers 
out of the box to complement your existing teams. So, you know, they're, they're intelligent automation solutions that perform a lot of the operational work that existing compliance, existing AML, existing sanctions teams do today. And a lot of that low-level decisioning, you know, that sucks up a lot of uh, sanction teams' time. We have digital workers that can take that workload away from them. They can make all of the, the decisioning for them, for your existing teams, in order to free your team up to really look at the, the material risk events or to really look at the, you know, in, at a board level, those matters requiring attention or the matters requiring board attention that really, you know, eventually will syndicate up to the board. The digital workers allow the existing teams to focus on those high risk items rather than, you know, listen, I used to be uh, back in my bank, in my, in my banking career, I worked as a, as an AML and compliance officer, and I actually worked alerts for a while, and I worked sanctions alerts for a while. And the thing that I found was that you could work all day. You'd work on a Tuesday you'd, or on a Wednesday, and you'd clear all the alerts, and you'd come back in tomorrow, and you'd do the exact same thing. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, 90, 91, 92, 93% of them will just be immaterial alerts, false positives that suck up all your time. And by the time you get the really risk, risky items, those items that present a material risk to the bank, your, your brain capacity is essentially zero. And what that leads to are, you know, errors made by really competent analysts. And what WorkFusion aims to and what WorkFusion does with a lot of existing customers is we have digital workers who will ex- and your existing team's capacity to focus on those high-risk events. Yeah, no, I, I, fantastic points there. Um, and it's all kind of circling around in, you know, an interesting theme to me, and that is that this, this theme of, you know, really not just introducing a a tech tool, AI automation, to keep doing the same thing you're already doing, right? Um, but introducing a tech tool to really uh, change in some ways, not fundamentally, but change the way that you're you're employing your people's time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it all it does it does really dovetail with the risk based approach, right? Because now mm-hmm. you're allocating your highest resources, your human intelligence, and your human experience to the highest risks. Um, so yeah, very interesting point on that. I want to revisit something you mentioned on the regulatory side, um, and the fact that the regulatory landscape has changed. I know we, you know, we talked a little bit about the rate of change and the, you know, employment of sanctions at a geopolitical level, but let's talk a little bit about the appetite for this type of innovation and these more innovative approaches. Um, you know, this was something that came up in a big way last year in the, the U.S. and the passage of the, the AML Act, what's referred to as the AML Act of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. And there was quite a bit in there encouraging the adoption of innovation in financial crime compliance, even setting up some kind of mechanisms to, to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I know a lot of a lot of the kind of hesitance around um, adopting, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence from, from some institutions at least was, you know, I am concerned about what my examiner will say. I'm concerned about yeah. my regulator, that type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. 
has there been a shift um, in working with institutions in you know the regulatory perspective um, and you know how is that how is that kind of playing into this this use of these tools uh, so I, I think there's there's two ways to look at that right there is um, there are a lot of there's from the bank's perspective and then there's from the uh, the machine learning intelligent automation providers perspective so looking from the bank's perspective you know it all ties back to there's always going to be more work right in a bank there's always going to be more work but there's only an existing amount of people on the planet and even furthermore there's only an existing amount of um experienced analysts or experienced teams that you know you can you can hire and what i see is that there are a lot of banks out there who are embarking on a journey or in the middle of a journey of a transformational program to introduce um, an automation provider to their existing operational processes because they understand that you know uh, work isn't going to go away and to a certain extent a lot of that work is um, it can be white noise and to deal with that white noise that you know there are there are automation solutions there are intelligent automation solutions in, in work fusions case it's the digital workers that can help with that but to your point you know they they need to be comfortable that the solutions that they implement can do the work to the same level that their existing teams could do it that they can do it more consistently that they can have better um that they can have better rates of accuracy, that they can, you know, work longer hours, that they can get through more work. And this is where we see a lot uh, that you see banks moving towards the risk-based approach model that you spoke about, where they want to only review events that are presenting material risk to the bank, or at least they want their existing teams to only review events that present a material risk to the bank. Where, with the flip side of the coin being that those events that do not present a material risk or they present immaterial risk, they get reviewed by the intelligent automation solutions or the process automation solutions, right? And this is where the, the for, and it's for me, there's not there hasn't really been a, a change in the perspective of the bank because the bank is always going to have those same worries if i implement a solution how can i justify to the regulator how can i justify to our internal audit how can i justify to compliance that the decision making that this machine learning provider is making is sound this is where the onus really falls on that software provider to make the, the bank comfortable and to, you know, for instance, in WorkFusion, right, we, we operate, um, we do, we operate an open, you know, we open our kimono, there's no black box scenario here. We would work with banks, model risk governance teams, we work with banks compliance teams, and we provide all of our documentation that underpins our machine learning models. And we'd walk through it page by page, step by step to ensure that our customers are comfortable 
with how we're making decisions, you know, and it's very much, and this is, you know, again, a big part of my job that we can do that consult, consultative approach to, okay, our digital worker, Evelyn, our sanctions expert is making this decision because of this machine learning model calling out to these different aspects. And this is how she makes the decision. So, it, you know, I the, the regulatory landscape is changing, but the, the onus to, to cope with a bank's appetite for increased intelligent automation and enabling that appetite, I think that lands on, on the software vendor and that lands on the software provider because, you know, the same way you go to, you go to a car salesman to buy, a, you know, a Porsche or something like that, you want, to be, you want to be made comfortable that you're buying the right car. So the same way that when we speak to banks and they're, they're evaluating how we'll deliver the business benefit that they want, it falls on us and it falls on all the other competitors in the space to make sure that, you know, you are a responsible vendor and you're a responsible partner. It's, it's not so much a, a vendor and purchaser relationship. At least we view it very much as a partnership. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And, I, you know, one of, the, one of the things you mentioned was the black box. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's an extremely important point because uh, it's something that on the, the regulatory side is, you know, continuous area of concern is you know, I, I need to be, and the institution side too, the explainability factor of AI is, is really important. So being mm-hmm. able to, to do that and to have that available is, is, uh, is crucial. So, um, uh, let's talk about something that we, we referenced earlier. I want to circle back to the point on the, the pace of change, um, that we had discussed kind of the, the, the first part of this conversation. Um, uh, obviously the pace of change has been tremendous lately, you know, how does some of the, the, the topics we're discussing, the, the digital workers, the automation, um, machine learning type approach help with that rate of change um, since it's the change management has been such a huge sticking point recently? Sure. I think to understand how our digital workers can help, you need to have a high level understanding of the three, to me, there's only three ways that you can manage and increase volume like there has been recently. So th- let's say this change, right? So the change in sanctions that's happened in the last eight weeks. And it's it's like this. Number one, uh, the increased volume of sanctions, you will get your existing employees to work around the clock to implement a new sanctions program to make sure that the bank is protected against the risk. Right. So your employees work really, really hard to maintain um, a a level of customer experience that your customers are used to. Their accounts don't get needlessly blocked. Their payments are facilitated the same way that they used to be before. So your employees, they have a really crappy experience because they're overworked. They're tired. They don't get a break. But your customer experience stays the same. And in, 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 you know, even, it might even improve a small bit because they understand that these are not normal times, but they're getting a normal uh, service from you. The second way they can deal with it is you have your employees work the same amount of time because, you know, you, you value your, your employees really, really highly. They work the same hours, but the backlog of alerts, the backlog of sanctions, the program gets implemented 
over a longer time scale. So your customers, their accounts, you know, onboarding takes longer, sanctions alerts don't get they don't get cleared. So their their accounts are needlessly blocked. You know, turnaround time is a lot longer. So customer experience goes through the floor. But again, your employee experience stays the same. And in both of those scenarios, what I see is that one of the main stakeholders to a bank gets a crappy experience. Whereas how the pace of change and how a digital worker can help is that they're built and they're equipped, like they're pre-built out of the box, ready, equipped to deal with increased sanctions or excuse me, increased volumes, right? Because a, a digital worker, WorkFusion has a couple who work in the sanction space. Um, Evelyn, she screens name lists, she screens sanctions lists, um, she does adverse media monitoring. And then we have Tara who reviews payment screenings, payment sanction screening alerts. They are pre-built to cope with increased volume of alerts. And the, the idea being that, you know, they scale up at the rate of change that the banks, that the bank wants them to scale up with. So, okay, you have your existing team. Let's say you have six people and you have an Evelyn and, or you have a Tara. And week one, their alerts are 100,000. Your team works normal hours. You have Evelyn, uh, you have Evelyn complimenting them so that they, they work their normal time, right? Then an increased, there's a new sanctions program. You implement the new sanctions program and Evelyn integrates with all of these different data providers to ingest what the new sanctions program is and ingest all of these new alerts. And your volume goes up three or four times. You, you can divert all of that increase in volume to Evelyn because it's the exact same for her to deal with 100 alerts as it is to deal with a thousand alerts as it is to deal with a million alerts, right? Because she can stay, or at least all of our digital workers, they're equipped to scale up with volume. And also when volume is down, you can, you can bring them back a small bit and they, they can work with that volume. With the major benefit being that, you know, if you remember, I talked about the employee experience and the customer experience, your employee experience stays the exact same because the, you know, that increase in volume, those new sanctions programs, they can be implemented by WorkFusion's digital worker. Your customer experience stays the exact same. You know, if, in fact, it increases because, you know, they're getting great customer experience throughout not normal times. And both of your main stakeholders are, are happy, right? Um, so that that's really how a digital worker can help with pace of change because that's what that's what they're pre-built for. And the benefit being that you know we it's it's not just simple RPA, but they have native machine learning capabilities. So the thing is. The more, the higher the volume, the better the machine, the machine learning model gets. So they actually love, perversely, they love increased volume, right? Because the more volume that comes to them, the more, the more they're learning, the better they get, the more efficient your existing team becomes. So instead of having, you know, turnaround time taking longer as volumes go up, turnaround time can actually get shorter because 
the digital worker is getting better at her job, your existing teams are getting fewer noisy alerts. They're just looking at the higher risk things and turnaround times are getting shorter. Yeah, that's interesting. The benefits of, you know, scale, the difference in scale for a human versus scale for an AI, you know, um, or uh, there's a, the, the machine learning likes more data, more inputs, that type of thing. So, um, I mean, likes is maybe the wrong term, but can, can benefit from, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so, okay, great. We, we have we have at at last uh, answered the first part of the title. Um, you know how we can scale and how these tech tools can can help us address these uh, these rising challenges. But let's talk about the second part. You know the the compliance spend. How do you do this without spending more money? Effectively, I mean, isn't this is this? I guess I should ask costly to implement. So no, I wouldn't. You no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be considered costly to implement. Um, to understand, you know, by and large, right, implementing a new sanctions program, it can be in the millions of dollars. And furthermore, implementing a new sanctions program ineffectually can lead to regulatory fines that are beyond millions of dollars. Right? You know you. Off the top of my head, you can think of any of 250, $300 million or something like that. But what a digital worker and how it how it enables you to scale without your compliance spend is that digital workers are priced on a consumption basis, right? So the the more alerts you send to it, you know, volume grows, that pricing will increase a small bit. But then once one and as pricing increases, your tiers go up. So, you know, the price per alert goes down the same way that, you know, you buy one can of Coke, it costs X. As If you buy 100 cans of Coke, it costs X divided by five. It's the same thing that the more volume you send to it, the better the digital worker, the lower the cost per alert. And as, you know, volume comes down and volume becomes more manageable, that cost per alert stays low, but you can actually reduce the amount of alerts you're sending to that digital worker. So they, they scale up with volume and they scale down with volume versus the, you know, the, the traditional model of scaling with compliance programs is, is getting more people. And the thing being, you have to hire a person, you hire them for a period of time, they cost X amount of dollars, takes them a while to get up to speed. By the time they get up to speed, the whole sanctions program might be, you might be after coping with volume, but then they're still there and they're they're taking costs right and they're taking they're taking spend away from other areas of the business that you could you know you could allocate dollars to or you could you know revenue generating things so there it's an existing headcount that you that a bank would bring in to deal with the increased level of volume but once that volume goes they're still there versus a digital worker that will scale with the volume and then you can scale back appropriately right and the thing being that they almost they pay for themselves in a certain way because they're going to increase your capacity of your existing teams, right? Your existing team will get between anywhere of probably 2.5 to three times the work that they were doing pre-digital worker because a digital worker can reduce around 75% of your false positive alerts. You know, you have 100,000 false positive alerts. They'll take away 75,000 of them completely off the bat. 
And what that means is that there's just a quarter of the work remaining for your existing teams to look at. They can then really be laser accurate in looking at them. And then with that freed up time, they can focus on revenue generating activities for the bank. So whereas before your team, all of their time was sucked up with looking at non-material risk events. And this is, Brian, this is going back to your risk-based approach. They can now focus on high-risk items. And then once those high-risk items are knocked off, they can focus on revenue-generating activities. Whereas before, it was just non-material risk items. Then when they went through those, they'd look at the risky things if they could if they could somehow found a needle in a haystack. And then they're back to square one and looking at non-material risk items again. So the real benefit of the digital worker is scales up and down as you need it. And but in all of those scenarios, it's allowing your team and your existing teams to expand their capacity, look at the material risky events, but also look at revenue generating. So it, it's almost, you know, they pay for themselves to a certain extent. Yeah, no, fair points on that. Um, uh, so let, let's talk about one of the, I would say, concerns I've heard from um, you know, institutions that adopted artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning several years ago, back in kind of an earlier wave of solutions in this space, I would say, um, you know, there was, there was projects that they would, they would embark on and, you know, it'd be a, a year long implementation or two year long implementation, that type of thing. Um, and they would, you know, the team involved would need more data and more data and more data and that type of thing. So, you know, right now when we don't have the luxury of, of time, you know, how do you address that? What's, what's the, um, you know, length of time that this takes and, you know, how do you deal with that time to deployment? Sure. So it, WorkFusion has a couple of models of deployment, right? We have, you can consume our digital workers via SaaS, you consume them in a managed service or you consume them on-premise. And, but the real benefit, and if you're looking for speed, the real benefit is in a, a SaaS deployment, right? Because typically a deployment of a WorkFusion digital worker will take in the weeks, not the months, right? You're talking maybe four to eight weeks, but there have also been instances where we signed a contract with the customer on a Thursday and they were live with the digital worker four days later. So there's, there's obviously a delta between four days and eight weeks, but that's just because we have our, our digital workers are pre-built, ready to go out of the box with learnings from all of their different customer environments natively embedded. But the nature of banks, the nature of financial institutions is that they'll have a lot of idiosyncrasies or they'll have specifics to that bank, right? And the, the difference between four days and eight weeks, it, it could be two weeks or it could be four weeks or it could be a week or it could be three weeks. It's just mapping those differences from our pre-built out-of-the-box digital worker to what those differences in the bank are. But the, the crux of it is if your processes map the best practices that we built our digital workers on, you know, based on all of our different banking customers, our different financial institutions, our different insurance customers. If your processes map those exactly, you can be up and running in a week, less than a week, right? So that's where, you know, going back to your question earlier about dealing with the pace of change, you could come to WorkFusion at this, you could have come to WorkFusion at the start of all this. And if your 
if your process is mapped really closely with what our digital workers look like. One of our sanctions digital workers, Evelyn or Tara, could be working with your team for the last six weeks, right? Um, and in worst case scenario, they'd probably be getting up to date, up to speed now to help your team out in the future. Whereas I think like the lead time for hiring somebody at the moment, if they're if they're an experienced sanctions analyst, is in between three and four months. So you talk one week to three or four months, the delta is quite big, right? And the the digital worker can do the work of three or four sanctions analysts. Again, we spoke earlier about scaling with volume. They can scale with the volume of a whole team as easy as in they as easy as they can scale with the volume of one analyst. So you know that that's that's how we can that's how we can combat that you know lengthy deployment because what work fusion is really concentrated on in all of this what our digital workers are aiming to do is deliver benefit for our customers as quickly as possible so you know it would be a bit of an oxymoron for us to say that and then have a 12 month deployment so it's very much digital worker consume really really quickly in some cases sign a contract on thursday went live on a monday versus you know eight to 12 months deployment or anything like that yeah thank you for that no it's very interesting and i think it you know for those out there that are maybe used to an earlier wave of these solutions you know we've, we've come a long way i think yeah and uh it is it is something where you can you could deploy much more quickly than than you have in the past um well, Daniel, thank you very much for this wide-ranging and fascinating conversation. I really appreciate the uh, the time and the expertise, and it's it's great to get that perspective from somebody who works with institutions, you know, around the world, because um, you do have a unique viewpoint to what's happening inside institutions. So, um, really appreciate the uh, the insight, and uh, really appreciate the time. Thank you for being here. Not at all, Brian. I'm glad to have had the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we may be doing it again sooner rather than later, given everything that's happening around the world. So, uh, yeah, look forward to having you on a, on a future episode of the Financial Crime Cast. Thanks again to our audience, especially as always, the ACFCS members and our CFCS certified folks out there. Uh, hopefully we've given you some, some insights and some thoughts on, on how to employ tech to empower you, the human being, um, and enhance your own human judgment uh, and deal with uh, what is a, a critically important time in the sanction space. So please join us again for another episode of the Financial Crime Cast. And you can find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and several other sources. With that, we will sign off. Have a great rest of the day, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>